Welcome to Blondie and the Brit, Writing, Publishing, and Beyond. You can find our show notes and more information about our podcast at blondieandbrit.com. That's B-L-O-N-D-I-E-A-N-D-B-R-I-T.com. Welcome to Blondie in the Brit podcast. I am Blondie, KJ Waters. And I'm Suzanne Cowman, I'm the Brit. And together we're Blondie in the Brit. Yay! Woohoo! I am the author of Stealing Time. And I'm the author of the Rejected Writers Book Club. This podcast is with J.D. Lex. He won our Funniest Podcast Award in the Blondie in the Brit Awards this past October. J.D. Lex is an international attorney, an award-winning journalist, and author of The Crimson Confessions, a unique series that blends literary flair with noir and sensual undertones to create a distinctive cross-genre experience. His new novel, Maldiction, will be out soon, as well as an action-adventure romantic comedy of errors. Welcome to the program, J.D. Oh, thank you so much. No, I'm really glad to be here. So, J.D., we are so excited to have you on here, and I, I, this podcast comes with a warning. The warning is, if you listen to it, your face is probably going to hurt, because I think J.D.'s a pretty funny guy, so it's, yeah. it's going to be funny. Well, you don't lay it out in the beginning. No pressure, no pressure. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> okay More coffee, hold on. <laughs> Take another sip there, man. Okay, so we, we want to know, Suzanne and I were talking about this, you are an award-winning journalist... And an international attorney. That is not the usual type of person that we get on a podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about how all those things happen and how from there you turn into this amazing author? Well, I, I honestly, I've, I've listened to your podcast and I, I was terrified pretty much all morning. I, they're oh. all so qualified. I feel kind of like a bit of a journeyman, to be honest with you. Oh, stop. No, I, I, you know, one thing leads to another, quite literally. Uh, the journalism thing, I was doing that back in college. I was getting up at 2 in the morning. My, my schedule was so reversed. I guess that's kind of how I've lived ever since, really. And I'd get up 2 in the morning. I was going producing the news. I was doing a little on-site reporting, jump off that, go to college, finish up. You know, law school, quite honestly, seemed like a walk in the park after that. Really? So, you know, I, I, well, and honestly, I had some friends that were doing that. And, you know, peer pressure, go to law school, you know. Didn't work for me. No, didn't it? No, yeah, well, no I resisted. Interesting, I'm smart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was an interesting experience. It was kind of eye-opening, I guess you could say. The first year was, well, you know, I'm an artist at heart. I think I always have been, and now I see that. You do the law school thing for a year, you start to realize just how much you may not fit into that rigid, structured society. Right. So there were a lot of changes in that first year, first year and a half. I, I ended up kind of cranking it out, went on to do for another, you know, another year. It's the sort of thing where I think you, you learn yourself as you go. And then beyond that, you go into the work in the big firm kind of setting, and you realize how much you, you really don't like people necessarily that are driven <laughs> more by themselves than by others. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you finished that sentence. You yeah. know, I don't like people. It's like, okay, that would be a challenging life. Oh, I'll massive dramatic pause when I need to be. <laughs> you can just see the ellipses hanging over me more often than not. <laughs> Plus, i got to tell you, I mean, I, I started this whole writing journey. Uh, I just started out with a book that was basically a slightly exaggerated version of my life to this point. And that just really got me going. It really did. So I guess after that point, I really decided, you know what, I can do this. I can do this again. When I was younger, I I loved to write, put it aside for years. You know, you're a lawyer, you don't have a lot of time. But, you know, at this point, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm going to see what I can make of it and do something for myself for a change. And I really do feel like, I mean, I'm happier for it. I I may be a little less less sleep deprived for it. That's I'm, a good loving, thing. I'm loving the whole experience. That's a good thing. So are you still an attorney or is that on the... Well, you're always an attorney. 
<laughs> oh, you've got they like this. You, they don't let you go. This no. brand on your chest now or something. You just crack your shirt open. I'm attorney. <laughs> yeah, I've got the bar cards and everything. I still walk around with them. I'll practice here and there. I'll practice and, and take on matters that I really see as being as being particularly useful, as being things that I really feel like I can get behind. For 10 years or so there in the big firms, I was doing a lot of things that, you know, not that you got to be ashamed of. We're not talking grim law or anything else, but commercial litigation kind of stuff where you're helping really big, rich people sue other rich people. And it's just this numbers game. Yeah. So, yeah, I will still practice, but it's, it's a lot more of a, a personal, intimate kind of level now. Yeah. So you get to pick and choose what you work for. Now, is that tie into your charitable organizations? And you, it says in your little bio that you promote literacy and tolerance. Is that part of what you're using your lawyerly skills towards or something? I, I do whenever, whenever they can use it. Whenever any of these groups can use it, I certainly will. Generally, it's more grant writing, though. It's more pulling in money so they can do what they're good at doing. And I can step back and say, wow, go you guys. Oh, that's a good use of your writing skills. Well, I figure, you know, if I can do it, it's also going to enhance my own confidence as far as all that goes. And if I feel like I'm doing something useful day to day, then I don't feel so bad sitting around and, you know, sort of retreating into my own little brain and and creating a new world that maybe never needed to happen. So Ah. it's it's a bit of an indulgence, I guess. Well, that's a good way to do it, though. You've got two different writing. You're still writing, but one is to help charitable organizations get money to keep running. And the other is, you know, for your own pleasure and Hopefully the pleasure of everyone else reading your stuff. Hopefully the pleasure of a few, absolutely. <laughs> and you, do you see yourself as a full-time author now? Is that what you do full-time? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, if I had to categorize myself, I definitely would. I do try to put as much time as I can into the charity thing. It does. It fuels me. It drives me. You know, I'll go out to some of these charities and actually do events and get my hands dirty, roll up the sleeves. And, and there's just something about that that really energizes in a way that being in your own head for 16, 18 hours a day and then going to sleep really just doesn't do. Yeah. So. I think they keep me sane more than anything. That's a really good mixture. All right, let's go on to your books. I read one of your books, Food Lust, and I was really impressed with the writing. And you kept me engaged even while I was at the gym with two buff dudes working out next to me. And that's saying a lot. Well, I don't know that those things were exclusive. Are you sure you like the book? (laughs) No, I didn't even notice the guys. I looked over and was like, oh, damn. No, I'm serious. It was really well written. I was, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was... It was written so much better than it had a lot more meat to it. And it was very subtle in in the way that you talked about the erotic stuff. It wasn't like in your face, (laughs) so to speak. Um, It was an aperitif. Let's call it an aperitif. That's what it was. Uh, Yes, it was an aperitif. But I don't know. There's this, this, I'm trying to get my head around. This is like a, a novella. And then you have a couple novellas that's leading into something else. So I guess my question is, first of all, good for you for being such a good writer and in the genre. And also give us kind of like the big picture to wrap around how all these pieces fit together. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I gotta be honest with you. Every time I hear someone come up to me and say, not I loved your work, but I was so surprised by your work. I think that's when I feel like I'm doing it right. I do think the genre I won't say it has a bad rap because I think a lot of writers out there will gravitate toward it when they don't want to put in the effort for other genres. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's a self-perpetuating sort of thing, which honestly is why I decided. I mean, I've got other projects that I'm working on as well, but I decided I'm going to jump into this and see what happens. See if there is a market still for you know a slightly more sophisticated and cultured. As, and I'm not throwing these out to celebrate myself. These are kind of words I've heard in the last couple of days from people, and I'm still floating on them a cultured sort of style and see if you can't just bring that back kind of, you know, quite honestly, I think this sensuality exists in everything. Isn't that what drives pretty much everything else that we do? Right. Uh, so if you can't work that into an actual story and make people care, you know, what can you make them care about? But the stories, I think, and if you, if you did read Food Lush, you read the, the epilogue at the end there. And I 
nice kind of a bit of a Rod Serling sort of in, uh, entry in there. It, I like to make sure that it, I put something of a, a moral in case it was missed right, you know, right there at the end and, and, and add a little humanity to it, which I think honestly has always been what I've strived for, at least in this venture, this undertaking, is to, to humanize it. And I think a lot of people will go straight towards the sex and all they can write is sex or all they can write is the jump over the sex parts. And for me, I'm like, if you can't combine them, what are you doing in life? You yeah. Know, what, what is your life like? Right. So, well, that so, makes a lot of sense. So I have two questions and they're yes. mixing up at the same time, but I'll stick with one of them at a time just to help you. Okay. We have time. We have time. <laughs> food Lust features an Italian chef. And obviously, you know something about food. Can you kind of share with us some of the connection, how you were inspired to write that based with, you know, the food chef angle for the book? Well, disclaimer, I am not Italian. <laughs> I, the, I, yeah, I part French, but the French recipes I was coming up with, I just, I didn't see how I'd work that into a book. <laughs> well, you don't yeah. have to write about everything that you are. You could certainly go outside. It's so much more fun, though, because then people come up and they just, they know, they got that twinkle in their eye. Like, there's some, there's some realism in there. Yeah, well, that's probably true. So, yeah, no, I, I actually did run a uh, gourmet food company a few years back. I started it up anyway. Get uh, out. Things kind of went south on that a little bit. Crazy people jumping in and out. It charged me up creatively. You know, even artistically. So as I started writing some of these vignettes, the novellas, the shorter stories, it just it was right there front and center for yeah. so long. And honestly, Food Lust was one I wrote and I was going to put into a later book. And I finally decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to flesh this thing out and put it out there because I think people would really respond to it. It's it's more of a, a, one of my playful offerings, I guess you would say. It's, it's kind of more fun, more lighthearted than some of the others. So a good intro, intellects. Right. OK. Yeah. And so. I'm like still stuck on this. You ran a food company that didn't even come up in your bio. It's like he's got all these things you didn't even like bother to mention. <laughs> well, I've got to have a priority scale, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So obviously you're into cooking and food if you ran a I food company. Cooking. So well, how did you get interested in that? Self-taught entirely. And I think that was that was the decade spent in New York City. You live in Manhattan for 10 years. And, you know, I think a lot of people get into the whole eating out thing. They, they love the dining left and right every other night. But for me, it was, I, I took that and took it that next step. I was constantly, I was practically taking notes as I did, huh? you know, because you'll give this whole world of food right in front of you. You come back to some of the smaller towns and people don't even know, I mean, the nationalities, let alone the food types that, that you just take for granted in New York. Yeah. So I think for me, it was just, I wanted to start sharing a little bit of that, mixing things up a little, you know, bringing them with a bit of a, a down home sort of flair. And making things seem accessible and approachable to people. And maybe that's part of what went into my writing as well. It kind of led me from A to B. But I think that was that was what drove me into that. I was just so curious about the flavor combinations, the sensory combination, just seeing how crazy you could really get with it. And then you wrote it into a book very well. And then I, and then I was a writer. Foodless, why don't you tell us the names of your the books that you have out right now and then tell us a little bit about the maldiction. How does that fit into Food Lust and the smaller pieces? Absolutely. Yeah, actually, all three of the current the current novellas that are out right now, Food Lusts, Two-Way Glass, and I've got Order of the Orchidarian, three entirely distinct stories, standalones, basically in their own rights. But at the same time, they were originally meant to, and will at some point, tie into a larger world, essentially, a more of a, a brooding sort of noir sort of world that Lex operates in, and Maledictions starts to roll, you know, the ball rolling on that. It opens us up to, to Lex's backstory. It opens us up to the world that's sort of leading to the existence of the Crimson Confessions, the purpose behind them, essentially. And as always, it has something to do, no spoiler alert or anything, but with that that one that got away. Uh, so it's ultimately the, the dream is, let's say, to create an ongoing series and one that's hopefully compelling 
where essentially these confessions are laid out in sequence, and in between them, there's what I've worked to this point on, something of a diary sort of entry system where, where Lex is telling his story, my story, throughout the entire thing. And what I'd like to have at the end of three, four books, let's say, is you've got 18, 20 confessions, standalones in their own right, read your favorites, read them over and over again, take those out, and you've got a novel within the novels of, you know, the Lex story itself, the arc from A to wherever this whole thing ends. So ultimately, that's what's been driving me from the beginning. And I think you'll start to see a whole lot more depth in the confessions that are already out when you're able to tie them back in to Malediction and to the books to come. Wow, that is is very genius. The uh, the creativity, not only in the level of the writing, but then piecing all these pieces together to turn it into this much more complex whole. It's a messy mind in here. I can't do anything. Accepted that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but these series that are like you know set together that you can buy—I forget what that's called—they're very popular right now. Is that how you vision it towards the end? Is like somebody could buy like five books at one go for a set price? I do actually. I'd love to see it like that, and honestly, I'd love to be able to scatter in individual confessions throughout and in between the novels, sort of uh, teasers to keep everyone going. So yeah, I'd love at one point to have confessions themselves just labeled up in anthologies, as well as the overarching novel series. Wow, that's amazing. Well, this actually leads us really nicely onto the next question, which is, we want to know more about, I mean, you're elaborating quite nicely, but about your process as a writer. Tell us more about how you approach your writing and what you do to write. That's a good question. i got to tell you, every time I try to get together a routine, try to kind of make sense of everything and, and get myself to a point where I'm going to be more efficient, I stall out like you wouldn't believe. I think my big thing is I just got to keep it spontaneous. I start, honestly, I I usually won't start without a good opening line, but once I have that, I let it set the stage for everything else, and then I'll just let it roll. I'll let it roll beyond that. I've tried outlines. I've tried to do some of those more standardized versions, and all it does is it just, it stonewalls. It's unbelievable how quickly the mind can shut off when it knows what it's supposed to do already. You know, I'll have have two, three cups of coffee, you know, coffee and chicory, my good old uh, New Orleans-style coffee in the morning, get the brain going, and then I'll just sort of go wherever the day takes me. Wow. I wonder if that's to do with your background sort of being an attorney where everything had to be so scheduled and a set way that when you come to this process, you want to be more relaxed about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably a lot to say for that. I think, you know, spend a decade doing that, and I, you just wake up every morning like, no, no, not anymore. I'm going to do this like I want to do it, and for better or for worse. And sometimes you'll write a story in, in a week and a half, and it'll just flow out. Sometimes your head against the wall for two or three months until something finally hits you. But I think right. the rigid structure, yeah, the rigid structure for me is what, is what kills it. Interesting. It is interesting. So what's the most effective way you found to promote your books? What you work on in social media? I've been spending a lot of time on Facebook, too much time on Facebook, but I guess everyone ends up saying that. For me, honestly, what I found, and I, I'm so incredibly lucky, is I'll just keep pounding the pavement. I'll put books out in front of people that seem receptive. And there are some here and there that will come back to me, and they will say straight up, look, either I love reading this style of book, and yours is so different, I want to help, what can I do? Or they'll come from that other that other side. And, you know, I, honestly, i got to be honest with you, I've never read this kind of stuff. I'm not into the whole erotica thing, the whole erotic romance thing, but your book had something different, and I want to help you. So I say at this point I've got this amazing team, an amazing team. I won't call them out because they're always incredibly modest, which I don't know how they put up with me. They'll go out there, and they've really been word of mouth, you know, really kind of working it. And I just sit there in awe. 
quite honestly. So I've been trying essentially to get back to just putting words on paper, letting that be, you know, the means of propulsion. But I have to say, once I started getting other people on board, people that really believed that there was something a little, a little extra to what I was doing, I understood what I was trying to do, that that's, that's what it took to really get things taken off. I've got concepts for newsletters, other things going on. I'd like to get those things started whenever I find the time and energy. But right now, it's mostly a social media thing and good old-fashioned grassroots, which is how I really wanted it to be from the very beginning. Well, you know, just throwback, basically. Yeah, I love your I love your kind of relaxed attitude towards everything. It's really it's really refreshing. <laughs> that's, that's my southern roots. Those never. Yeah, is that what that is? <laughs> it is. It's definitely not New York City. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm I'm one of those hybrid kind of guys. I can't live without either. So tell us about your publishers, Ecstasy. What's your experience been like with those people? Well, Ecstasy. I'm still trying to honestly figure out where Ecstasy fits into the whole. Well, I say Ecstasy, I shouldn't really call them out. Where, where that entire category of publisher fits into the, the grand scheme of things. I mean, essentially, I think they sit somewhere in a hybrid situation between self-publishing. I mean, you're, you're doing your own promotions, essentially, which I can't complain about because, again, I have such a great team and great group around me. But they've taken a chance, which is great. And I know what they'll do is, you know, they'll sort of, of weed out some of the less desirable work. I, I do think a lot of these publishers could probably be a little more scrutinizing in what they're publishing and what they're not in this genre, because I think there's a lot of stuff out there that is dragging down the good work. But, you know, then again, I think a lot of it's a numbers game. A lot of it's a numbers game. And my experience with them has been great. The editor-in-chief of there is just, we've got a great bond. I'll, I'll throw out ideas, concerns, problems, and she'll get right back to me. She's put up with a lot, and I know she puts up with a lot every day. But I do think there's some room, business-wise, you know, for some tweaks going on in a lot of those smaller publications to, to make sure that the, the focus is put, or kept, I should say, on the authors and not on the bottom line. Right. So I think when, well, when you do publish 10, 12 books a day, let's say, on a good day, you're going to have to start looking more towards an average, you know, a volume sort of deal. And that's generally going to, to screw, let's just say it, a good portion of the authors on the back end. I mean, there's no way to keep everyone happy when, when that's your focus. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's interesting this, this, you know, what the publishing industry is going through right now. And we've got these hybrid publishers and they've really got to find and find their own way that way. I mean, they're not yep. working in the traditional sense and they're not, you know, they're not indie. So they're, they're figuring out, what, you know, they're sort of leading ahead with this new way of doing things. Which is and you need to kind of feel out of standard, I guess, when, when you're doing that. And I think that's the hard part for them right now is to really to get some staples in there and to get some system that, that they know is going to work. Cause every, you know, everyone's just flying blind right now. Right. I understand you're thinking of going indie for your next release. So what challenges do you think will add to the process for you doing that? I look forward to the challenges. I have no idea what most of them are, and I, I <laughs> accept that. We could let you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know you guys both can. That's why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hound you guys after this interview like nobody's business. <laughs> <laughs> well, Suzanne, yeah. Suzanne is shifting to non-indie. I know. I got picked up on British publishers, which, which I, and it was so funny out of the two of us. I wasn't even bothered about that. I'm like, I love no. being indie because I like really? my independence, you know, yeah. and so I'm a bit like you. I like to do my own thing, and so... You know, but yeah, but next year I'm being I'm being published, which is fun. That's amazing! Oh, congratulations! Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, for, and I think for me, I'm kind of just looking forward to seeing how the other how the other half lives. Essentially, I I look forward to the indie thing. I think 
I'd like to have at least one out there. I consider it a better big experiment, essentially, to put this book out there and go through my own process to be the one who has to bear the brunt of everything. You know, I may end up regretting it. I probably will. No. But it's a learning experience, I'm sure. You won't. You you are going to do it because you have exactly what people need. You have the entrepreneurial spirit. You are a hard worker. You're smart. You're going to do everything right because you're going to figure it out. I love you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, to be, I feel like I hear under your words that the, the publishers have kept you back a little bit. And I think that you won't have those issues. You're going to have to figure out how to format to do Amazon stuff. But seriously, I've done that. To me, that was so much easier than dealing with somebody controlling your world. And as independent as you sound, I just feel like this is a, a really good fit for you. So I'm excited. Thanks. Yeah, I think yeah. you made a good point there, and, and you know, I think you may know me better than I know myself. I, I, we wake up in the morning, I'm kind of gritting my teeth a little bit. Not over them, they're doing all they can, and they're do, they've done an amazing job, and they took a chance on me. So you know, let's just say it, that counts for everything. Yeah. But on this book, I do feel more personally connected to it, I guess, because there's a whole lot more me in there, in the undertones and in the, in the backstory. You know, it, it all comes from somewhere. I think, yeah, I, I feel that personal connection, and I don't know that I just, I just don't know that I want a lot of people between me. And the readers, yeah. you know, I'd rather that be more of a direct sort of a liaison. Yeah, no, I think I think it's a really good fit for you. I do. And I, I love the fact yeah. that we live in a world now where that is totally possible. You know, you get to go out to the world in whatever way works for you. You know, you're right. It's, it's, it's so it's so different from how many years ago. Yeah. And I want to take advantage of it. I want to see what it's all about. I mean, you guys have done it, so yeah. I want to see what I want to see what the fun is. Come join the party, man. <laughs> I'll be there. So, we've got, what are you working on? Are you, are you still working on Malediction, or do you have a new work that you're working on right now? Oh, I've always got several things going, which is kind of my curse, I guess, cross the bear. But Malediction is essentially done. I'm looking to get into some final edits on it, really start to, to speed it up towards release. Do you have a release date yet? Do you know when that will be? Did you, is that the one you were talking about earlier with us? That is the one. That is the okay. one. And I'm hoping I'm hoping for maybe a March release. Right now, again, I've only recently let go of the idea or, the, or the, the question, do I go with the publisher on this one? Do I keep this one to myself? So I'm really trying to speed up the process now. But for a good month or two there, I was just sitting there on the fence, you know, I trying to stall, basically, because I didn't know what to do with it. So now I'm trying to speed things up. So I'm, I'm hoping for the best. But, you know, I'm going for maybe... Well, springtime, let's say. I'm definitely open for a spring release on this. It's been it's been sitting for too long, and I think it needs to be out there. So. Right. I do have some other things going on as well. I've got a standalone novel, the first non-Crimson Confession under the Lex label, that is is getting really, really close to fruition. And that's one I'd really like to hold back a bit and, uh, and try to go the more traditional route on, see if I can't seek out an agent somewhere out there or a publisher and, and slip it in under the radar. So uh, fingers crossed on that one. I, I really think it's a whole lot more meaty than some of the other stuff. It's out there. It's, it's probably a little more ambitious. I'm not sure what genre it fits into, honestly. I'm looking forward to really kind of pushing that and, and trying to make the most of that. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Oh, geez. You know what I've tried, to be honest? And that, that's why I don't know what the heck genre it fits into. Uh, <laughs> well, don't tell us the genre. Tell us what it's about. <laughs> we'll figure it out for you. We can be yeah. like Blondie and the Brit. We'll figure it out, genre people. <laughs> oh, that's that. I love that. Uh, basically, it's... Uh, an over-the-hill sort of writer type, or at least a past-their-prime sort of writer type. They say, write what you know, right? Oh. But, uh, <laughs> you don't said over-the-hill. Definitely not over any hill I yeah, could you see. You said younger than we are. We're not over-the-hill. <laughs> oh, no. Well, you guys don't count. You guys are different. <laughs> We're different. We're special. <laughs> you guys are still no, spry. I no, this is, it's, got, it's got fantasy elements. It's got some new, good old New Orleans flair, which I always love. I mean, I, I love that New Orleans voodoo sort of effect. Oh. Uh, deep in the shadows. Got a lot of sexy scenes to it. A lot of fun. Playful characters. 
good interaction. I'm just going to try to piece piece the bits together right now and, and make it what I think it can be. It's going to be a funnel sort of fantasy, pseudo adventure, who knows what else well, kind of story. So this like is the one. This is the one at the beginning of the show I described as action adventure, romantic comedy of errors. Right? That, actually, no, because that that would be too easy. That's <laughs> you go, boy. I love it. <laughs> I told you it's a messy game. One thing I'm noticing about, we just can't put you in a box. Can nope. we? You no, just man. don't want to fix. They have tried. No. And they walked away in defeat, wringing their hands. Now, the comedy of errors is actually, that's, that's an entirely other persona, honestly. That's that's a different facet. And that one is kind of where most of my heart lies these days. I'm, I'm trying to finish that up, polish it all up, make it what I think it can be. That was near and dear to me, for sure. So, wow. Suzanne, you know wow. what J.D. is? Go on. He is a hybrid author. He oh. is a hybrid author. You're a hybrid, yeah. JD. You won't like that because that's a box. You <laughs> no, just labeled me. Oh, no. <laughs> He's a free-spirited hybrid author. There hybrid, you go. That works better. Hybrid is kind of like a, mi- com- a mixture of lots of things, though. So that's yeah. that's not like putting you in a box. It's you know, putting you in a lots of boxes. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. I've got you in <laughs> pieces. Oh, I'm general. just aside, it sounds fascinating, J.D. The book, the actual concept and the book sounds incredible. So it sounds like it's going to be really great. It was a lot of fun to write. and I, It took me about three months to crank out about 90,000 words. So right now I'm just going back in and trying to make it make some sense. Wait. <laughs> Took you three months to write that man. You know, okay, my head just exploded. Oh my god! Oh. Well, it's taken me nine months to write anything else since then. I think talk about burnout. Oh, okay. So a year to do the whole thing. Yeah, I'm all averaging out right now. So writing and then stalling is your pattern. Okay. <laughs> I do a whole lot of sitting. That's why I have the Fitbit now for Christmas. I'm like, I'm getting off this button doing something. <laughs> I do a whole lot of sitting. So do we want to do the lightning round? Yeah. You know what? We have a brand new lightning. Around, JD, so we don't know what we're doing here. Turned out like it was a good thing. Now I'm terrified. <laughs> yes. Well, you are our guinea pig for the lightning round, so. Yeah. Oh, it wouldn't be the first time. Wow, I'm sure that's. You seem like the ideal person because you're very quick at thinking things through, and that's yeah. so I'm glad that we're trying it out on you. Yeah. Well, tell me that after we're done, though. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you that after we're done. <laughs> right. Well, let's All see. Right. Let's put it to the test. Are you Deep ready? Rest. So, here's the deal. Is there, is there a prize somewhere in this whole thing, or is um, this just my own edification? Well, Suzanne, <laughs> I think you've given I away have, your bad I have a car, bad car. 89 Ford Explorer. <laughs> I'll take it. My driver, you're welcome to take it away. You will need a car for that to take it with you, a tow truck. <laughs> She's already offered that out to two other people, J.D., so don't feel it so so They all get excited about the lighter, and nobody takes the car. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's a Suzanne original, though. That's good. Exactly. Well, it's a classic yeah. now. It's like, always yeah. older. Yeah, you know, I've got classic. Hey, we just need oh, to paint it paint it with the British and American flag, and it's like, you know. It could be our car. Collector okay. edition. Put a big horn on top, a really obnoxious one, and drive around town. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it drove, that'd be fabulous. Walking around town, whatever. Put it on a track. Put it around town. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, so the rules of the lightning round, J.D., are you familiar with them? I vaguely am. Vaguely am. So you're not going to go on to some diatribe about your cats or anything. You're going to tell us the answer and then move on to the next thing, right? I'll go yeah. first. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. What is your favorite band or artist? Aerosmith. Oh, cool. Left coast or right coast? I got a pick. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean. I'm a New York boy. I, I mean, I, yeah. Okay. There we go. I was going to say that that was probably an easy one for you. What That's is your. Almost diatribe, but no. <laughs> what is your favorite writing spot? Out back in the gazebo. 
Oh, you have a gazebo? I have a gazebo and a hammock, which is probably the least productive item spot, but I do. <laughs> How do you juggle a computer on a hammock? You don't know half of what I can do. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, do tell. I've been doing it all wrong, Katie. I sit at a desk. What was I thinking? Oh, a desk? That's so impossible. I may start up a podcast from the gazebo. Who knows? Hey, now that you could probably do. <laughs> Are you a pantser or a plotter? And I think I know. I'm a pantser. If you could be transported back in time, where would you go? When does this podcast start? <laughs> <laughs> oh, about 46 minutes ago. <laughs> 17th century New Orleans. I, I want to see all the cultures converging. I want to see how this all really went down. Oh, that is a great that would answer. That so cool. That is a great that answer. Be. I don't know. I think how you could write. You could actually write from right being there. You know, wouldn't that be Oh, cool? that's what I'm thinking. Just sit in Jackson Square, which hasn't changed since then, and just let everything work around you. Just write it as it goes. Wow, that would be so cool. Oh, man. You got my mind cracking with that one. Chills, right? Yes. Okay, here's a good one. If you had a superpower, what would you want it to be? You mean another one? Uh, (laughs) First tell us your superpower, and then, wait, he's an erotic writer. Maybe we don't want to (laughs) know. On this show, we want to know privately. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we'll keep that. We'll keep that off the record. I always want to go with invisibility, but that always sounds so perverse. <laughs> so, but I'm gonna stick with it anyway. What the hell? Hey, yeah, go with your heart, and man. What would you want to? What would you want to do it when you're invisible? What's yeah. the thing? Well, wouldn't that just open the door to everything? Because <laughs> <laughs> why? Why would I tell you now if I'm invisible? That kind of ruins the whole. Thing. Yeah. Oh, Suzanne, you better <laughs> watch out. Eventually, right? We could be sat right here. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh my god, too much fun. All right, who or what inspires you? Reality, humanity, people. That's specific. Especially people that will come back to me and say that, you know, what what you've written, what you've done and put all this time into has actually changed. It's changed my perspective. It's made me see things a little differently. Uh, that is everything. Okay, that is a good answer. Yeah, that's a great answer. What is your favorite writing slash author moment so far? This right here. What? <laughs> This is a step. This is big time right now. Big time. It's just our little goofy podcast, man. <laughs> I can take me. It can take me six weeks to write a sentence. You don't know. <laughs> I, got, I have to be real here. This is this is something else. This is engaging. This is, this is it. When you approach me to do this, I got to be honest. That was that was pretty much it. I'm like, wow, this is a good day. Wow, that's so cute. And I was like, I don't know if you've heard of our podcast. I'm sure. Let me explain to you who Suzanne is. She's awesome. And I'm just like kind of along for the ride. And <laughs> that's not true. It's <laughs> so true. I'm not believing either of you guys. <laughs> no, I love that. That made my dad. I know. Me yeah. too. He's either a good schmoozer or he just actually means it. I don't know. Yeah. That's well, pretty, I'm pretty good stuff. Because <laughs> my superpower is reading minds. So I'll let you know, Katie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, feel him out. Well, <laughs> let me rephrase it then. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, rephrase it. No, no, I, you know what? I'm gonna stick with what I got. I'm okay. not gonna do any better. Oh, okay, there you go. Here we go. Love it. Thank you. We appreciate that. Yeah, that was very nice. One thing you uh, wish you had been told about being a writer? Everything, and I, and I don't mean that to be glib. There is such an on-the-job learning experience with writing, and everyone's so individual. I really don't think there is anything someone could have told me that would have made any difference, quite frankly. I mean, who the heck knows? I don't even know what tomorrow's going to be like. So if there was a game plan, I'd love it, a playbook, but I really don't know. Are you kidding I me? I don't think I've done it different anyway. JD, if you had a playbook, you'd throw that thing in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd burn the damn 
have they can go find everyone else. Oh, you do everything it said not to do. Seriously, you don't need a playbook, man. You got it. you got it going yeah. on. Hold me back. <laughs> it would. It would. That's a good answer too. Okay, which book do you wish you had written? Oh, you mean of all the books? Of all the books. <laughs> of all the books. I'm gonna go with anything Hemingway because I've got like an entire bookshelf of Hemingway behind me. I've got a little cubby in my bookshelf, all devoted. <laughs> wow. But you have to pop up, so I gotta go with that. There you go. Although who are we kidding? I wouldn't hold a candle, so Yeah, but that that's not the question. So okay, so is there a certain book? Are you just gonna like point to your whole collection or can you pick one out? Can't I? No. <laughs> no. The old man of the sea. There you go. Ah, good choice. That's a good one. That's, That's a, a good one. Great one. And that is our, our lightning round. Unless, Suzanne, you think we should add some from our old... Uh, you can do if you want. I mean, ooh. he's fun to he's fun to lightning round. He is fun to lightning round. <laughs> now, that's a first. <laughs> <laughs> let's lightning round some more. Oh, let's do it. Okay. All right. It's think about KJ. Okay. Oh, I'm going to put you in a bind because I know that you have both of these. Dog or cat? Dog. Oh, the cat! So who are we kidding? I've always been a dog person. How did you end up with cats? The cat with three legs, little Oliver Twist, which is why I named him Oliver, actually, little rat scallion off the street, just kind of decided to make himself home here. He loves you. Oh, that's so He loves the dogs. He seems to be okay with people. And he hobbles his way around the house like he owns the place. So, I mean, how could I say no? That's a good answer. All right. Favorite vacation spot? Oh, Costa Rica, though I haven't been there. Oh, why? (laughs) Why then? It's just it's just one of those places I I love to go. I something of a photographer as well, and I know that's the place to be. Wow. So I, I'd grab the camera, I'd grab the fifty, sixty pounds of lenses and all that, and just take off, and you probably wouldn't see me for a week. So is there anything that you don't do? You're a photographer, you're a cook, you're a spice company man, you have an attorney, you are a journalist. Well, that's why I don't have more books out. <laughs> Well, that explains a lot. I've got, to, I've got to reel it in a little bit. Yeah, I suppose. Okay, what's your favorite comfort food? Oh, oh, come on. You're asking the good guy. Yeah. That's uh, a good question. Anything barbecued. Anything Any? smoky. Okay, so there's there's the very big discussion of barbecue. And mm-hmm. You know the discussion, right? You're talking about the dry rub versus? Yeah. Yeah, no, you don't put sauce on anything barbecue. Oh, see? You're southern then. Damn straight. Damn straight. <laughs> Damn straight. All right, beach or mountains? Oh, beach. Beach. And then, okay, do you have a nickname? No. Uh, <laughs> That's not true. We can tell. <laughs> Suzanne is reading your mind. Yeah. I've been called Flash by one or two people, just by the way. I, I never I never miss an opportunity. I've always got something to say. So. Ah. Yeah, we can believe that. Yes. No, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I can totally see that. Flash. Well, let's just say this. You're living life to the full, J.D. Very obvious. I, I am trying. I will I will crawl to that grave one day, but I'm going to make the most of it. Cool. Excellent. And that ends our lightning round, our double new slash old lightning round. You didn't ask me coffee or tea. Well, okay. Chicory, I already heard the answer, but go ahead. No, okay, that's fine. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to rehash yeah, while we're here wasting time on the podcast? <laughs> that was so long ago. <laughs> He's so fast that like five minutes ago seems like eons. Wow. That's just senility. No, that's senility. That's just- oh no, I don't buy that for a second. Doing so darn much, it's, but again, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change anything. I honestly, I feel a whole lot more me now that I've decided. You know what? I'm a writer. That's just what I am. So I, I can't believe. Like I said, the day you guys came to me and said, "Hey, would you be interested?" Like, Are you kidding me? This this makes me something. I, I've arrived. So. Aww. 
from this point on, it's all downhill. <laughs> no, this is the beginning for you, man. Oh, this is the yeah. This is the This is the pinnacle. I see great things for you. I, I've read a little snippet of the Mal fiction and then the other one a little bit. You are an amazing writer. I'm serious. I think oh. you are going to go top big five and, and you won't even remember Blondie and the Brit in like a year. Oh, you guys be there with <laughs> I want you to promise us when you're a big, fat, fancy author dude, you come back on our show. Oh, I, I so will. Okay. Suzanne? I have it. You I heard it. You heard it here first. And I, I'm keeping this recording. Oh, crap. You're still recording. <laughs> I, no, I have it. So I'm coming back to you. I will find where you are in, in New York, New Orleans, or this or other. Thank you for joining us today, J.D. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the program. No, I, I want to do it all over again. Now, my, the rest of my day is going to be so shot. <laughs> Well, if I can't save it, we will be doing it all over again. (laughs) Please join us next week where we welcome Jerry Walker back for Best of Blondie and the Bird episode. She is my editor and gives us a lot of great information on editing your work. You can find our show notes and more information about our podcast at blondieandbrit.com. That's B-L-O-N-D-I-E-A-N-D-B-R-I-T.com.